0: Um, guten Tag. Guten Tag. Uh, we're in Germany today. Hooray. Uh, really big ups to new prime minister over there. Uh, Chancellor, what do they call him Does over Germany there? Anyway, prime his minister? last name is Schultz. Oh, and I, he's pretty chill, but he's not as good as This is news to me. This is a politics podcast now. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to the Great American because-
1: Scream i feel like this is the most news i've gotten all week i can't believe (laughs) i can't believe i found out that there was a new prime minister of germany on our podcast
0: (laughs) adam i don't know how to tell you that if you're not watching the news i think it's a good time to tune in there's a lot of stuff
1: (laughs) i i i read the first five bbc headlines and like the first two articles every morning and after that i can't do it anymore or i will go insane
0: adam have been disengaged with the news media. And so your newest piece of information is that I believe last year, Angela Merkel retired and instead her party lost the German election. There's a new party in power and there's a guy named Schultz and he's the chancellor now.
1: OK, now that's you all know, you
0: need to know about the news right now. There's nothing else going on. You know, there's absolutely <laughs> nothing else going on in the world. I swear to you, don't check the news. Honestly, just Schultz.
1: Honestly, I feel it's weird that I feel better that it happened a year ago and I didn't know about it rather than it, it happened recently. Recent, yeah. <laughs> Not knowing about it. That we feels oddly better. Uh, let's well, stop hey, talking about. This. Welcome to the Great
0: American Scream. My name is Devin Wright.
1: My name is Adam O'Connell. And What uh, are you
0: talking about today?
1: Well, I, I think you'll be excited to talk about this topic today because we were talking about video games today. Oh. Uh, but something kind of specific about video games, and spe- <laughs> I can't stop saying video games.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's because you're a you're secretly a millennial trapped yeah. in a zoomer's
1: body. Um uh specifically indie games. Um and I think I've mentioned on the show before, but I might have not that I teach middle schoolers. Um and, and I, you I do I,
0: it damn well.
1: Yeah. Um. I hope <laughs> I do. Uh. And I I actually run a after school special effects makeup club, which is really fun with them. Um. And <laughs> side yeah, story ups, shout out. Side story. They I don't listen to the this second, show, do they? No. Okay, they got it. Yeah, no, 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 no. You are not allowed. They don't know it exists. Um, Side story: the second weekend, the second week of my class, we were uh, learning about a couple different, couple different favorite famous makeup artists and. Uh, I was talking about Rick Baker, and we started to watch uh, An American Werewolf in London, and I showed them the transformation yes. scene from An American Werewolf in London. And, you know, I'm very desensitized to horror, especially even as mm-hmm. a kid. I watched horror movies as a kid. So I was like, eh, they'll be fine. And I showed them the this clip. This is totally and fine as, for children. As I watched the horror and terror and disgust cross the 11-year-old's faces, as I showed them this clip, I went, <laughs> maybe, not.
0: <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. It actually made you so uncomfortable that you had to cough about it <laughs> yeah, which is nice and really good for me as the engineer of this sorry
1: show. <laughs> anyway um but the point of this story is that these children have recently kind of <laughs> gotten me into Friday Night Funkin
0: <laughs> okay it's- now pause is this just a game <laughs> podcast now it's just no it's just a game podcast because Friday Night Funkin is this a bendy in the ink machine again Friday Night Funkin is not a horror game
1: it's not. No,
0: it is um, a fancy <laughs> dance dance. It's like DDR, but your fi- for your fingies. Yes, which you, is why I for enjoy you millennials it. out there.
1: Which is why I really like. And it. for um,
0: you boomers out there, it's like pong, but different <laughs> with, with arrows? music, and you <laughs> use your keys to do like dance moves. And Gen Xers, I don't you guys, I don't know who you guys are. So.
1: Yeah. So the the point uh, or not. Uh, my connection here isn't specifically to the, okay. the regular Friday yeah, Night Funkin' take game. Take us all this road. It's it's the mods of Friday Night Funkin'. Friday Night Funkin' has a really ah. big modding community, and that's the one I see all my students play. They don't play the original; they play all of the mods, and a lot of them feature a lot of different characters from different video games, which is really cool. Um, but there, Adam, there. Are ones... I'd like to
0: talk. No, no, no. We need yeah. to pause the podcast. I don't think it's fair that no part of me zero percent of me wants to be in school right now I think Uh it's one of the worst times to be in school ever especially acting school but to think about being in middle school and me to be able to go yeah I play modded this game and Mm -hmm. for anyone to know what the hell I was talking about
1: yeah (laughs) these
0: kids are cool yeah
1: it's, it's it's yeah they're really cool um so there are mods a Friday Night Funkin' from games that you'd expect, like Five Nights at Freddy's and like other popular games amongst the youth. Of it's America. right there. F- Friday Night Five, fr- <laughs> five Friday nights Funkin' at Freddy's. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, mods from games like Poppy Playtime, Baldi's Basics, and Doki Doki Literature Club, which is a okay. game no child should be playing. Should be playing. No I child agree. should play I mean, Doki Doki also, Literature Club. Ah, uh,
0: Poppy's playtime is okay, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Um, but there's also mods of characters from Creepypasta, namely uh, Suicide Mouse.avi, the Mickey Mouse like walking oh cycle God. one, and Sonic.exe, and That's Analog good. Horror series like the Mandela Catalog and Pibby, the one that just came out in Adult Swim. Is that is that Blippi's brother? It, no, it's 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 Blippi's dissimilar Pibby, to Blippi.
0: Right? <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's different dissimilar. than Blippi. Um, okay, so this one is appropriate for children.
1: Uh, I mean, it's not and
0: Blippy is not.
1: Oh, <laughs> it's, okay. It's Pippy is not not appropriate for children, but it's definitely not meant for children. Uh, it is scary. Um, and a lot of the mods in general are simply horror based, and while yeah. they are extremely well done and often scary, it's a fun
0: of- time dancey game.
1: Yeah, it raises the question: What do what the heck do all these eleven year olds know about all these horror franchises? Some of them definitely not meant for kids.
0: Yeah. I mean, we had to think about it before there was some pimply nerd who is at least 16, like checking people's tickets to make sure no kids were getting in without an elaborately made trench coat costume. But nowadays, Uh, these dang kids, they go on the AOL and they they (laughs) listen to the funny noise that everybody loves and they get on that browser and they just type in spooky scary and they get right to it. The barriers are too low. I advocate for internet censorship. I say now.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all know that Five Nights at Freddy's has grown a large fan base of kids. Um, when the uh, But when the franchise started, it wasn't aimed at kids. F- the Five Nights franchise- is
0: not for children.
1: Did not start yeah. with the, the purpose of being aimed at children. It was a straight up indie horror game meant for teens and adults. And of course, subsequent games have definitely become primarily aimed at kids, especially Security Breach um, is very much- aimed towards the younger demographic and more on that later but more recent entry entries into the indie horror lexicon including titles like Poppy Playtime uh, seem to be specifically aimed at kids as their primary audience uh, despite their horror content in fact a lot of these games market towards kids through their use of popular indie tropes that started with FNAF stuff like analog horror this like creepy nostalgia these really colorful uh, recognizable characters and kids eat it up every single time regardless of the quality okay. of the game,
0: right? And I think so. I have two, two disparate theses about why this happens as okay. a gamer myself okay. and a creature of the internet. Yeah. So here are my two. Before we get into the bulk, so one of them is I have a theory about method acting, which it, like like crappy method acting that like garbage people do. Yeah. Um, which is that it namely it mainly pertains to like cis white straight men who have never actually felt any kind of fear or danger to their actual lives before. And so they don't have a barometer for extremity of emotion. And so Mm -hmm. they have to put themselves in bizarre situations to feel that. Okay. And that's what gets them to actually be able to act uh, authentically. I think that the same thing applies to, I think that these men are like small children and that children, especially teens are feeling a lot of emotions, but they're feeling them about things that because we're so existential and self-aware now, these teens think Oh sure I'm sad and depressed but they think but the world's so much bigger these feelings must be fake and I can't I don't have a barometer to test and so they go to horror stuff to okay. get freaked the hell out and find where the actual stuff that creeps them they're just searching for the the walls of what is creepy you know Okay and then my second one is that every single child myself included and you wishes that they were feeling the nostalgia that like young adults are feeling at oh, okay. any moment So, like, kids right now wish they were nostalgic for, like, analog tapes Mm -hmm. and, like, CRTs and stuff because they're like, well, I was a year old when my parents got a flat screen TV and they think that that means that they can be nostalgic about a thing because they want to feel like they belong. Right. And so that's why all these small little things from FNAF that, like, we as adults are like, I guess that was an influence. Kids are like, no, this was intended. This was here, and now I see that analog tape in in Happy Pep Pep's playathon. I'm gonna play that.
1: <laughs> Happy Pep Pep's playathon. I really like that.
0: <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and I, I, that's the bulk of what I wanna talk about today like how this happened and yeah, what. you just wanna
0: be in the zeitgeist. Yeah. That's my thesis.
1: And I, well, I do wanna talk about what. Uh, about these indie horror titles appeals to kids so much. Uh, I'm not, I'm not here to like talk down to kids or be like, no, no, no children, no scary games for you. Because of course you're going to oh, no. play these scary games. Um, Cause yeah, I, but- what I really want to talk about is why games started marketing these. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. Very importantly, my two theses are based on the premise that kids are actually like very voracious consumers of content and they want to be discerning. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not, that intent is like more than most adults have. Like adults, a lot of adults don't want to find meaning or belonging in the art they consume, but kids do. Yeah. And that's actually really sick.
1: Yeah. Um. So let's start by talking about Five Nights at Freddy's because this is kind of, this is the formula, the, the the FNAF formula, the Fazbear formula, if you will.
0: The Fazbear, <laughs> well, that's secret. And if we talked about it, we'd be killed. But yeah.
1: Go on. Um. Because you, we see a lot of these games like Bendy and the Ink Machine, like Poppy Playtime, kind of all have their yes. roots in... In FNAF, So the original game, like we said, was not intended to be marketed towards kids. Uh, The first game came out in 2014, and it was aimed at people who would be nostalgic for places like Chuck E. Cheese. So people that grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s, really our generation, our age group, our demographic, uh, and maybe slightly younger, but not really any younger than that. Um, But it's also an important thing to remember about the release of FNAF is that it was absolutely unprecedented the amount of overnight like virality that the game got, uh, it exploded in a way that not a lot of games have. And it's not the only game that has exploded this way. Games like slender also blew up seemingly overnight before FNAF was released. Um, and both FNAF and Slender got their virality because of their streamability. They're extremely yeah. entertaining games to watch streamers and Let's Players uh, play because of the jump scares and the lore reveals. Let's Players is what we called them back in the day. We don't call yeah, them that let's, anymore. <laughs> ooh,
0: let's Plays.
1: Yeah. Um, but So that raises the question, why are kids attracted to FNAF and not Slender? What's the difference between these two? And I think the biggest thing is these colorful, well-designed, but very marketable characters,
0: right? Right. That That's the easiest thing is that, like, what we're talking about now is not, like, game design or anything. It's just marketing. Yeah, it's just exactly. It's the fact that, like, a lot of these kids, okay, now I am a little bit talking down to certain <laughs> kids, but I'm mostly talking about, like, kids who almost, like, are in, like, early middle school or elementary school and mm-hmm. shouldn't, and actually shouldn't be playing these games. Yeah. Have a toy of it because a mom saw it in a commercial or heard that kids like it and then bought a toy. And then that toy is the entrance to the franchise. Ah, I see. And so it's just like garbage marketing. Yeah. That is easier to do for staff, which is the reason something like Bendy, which is like a beautiful piece of art Mm -hmm. and like still has the same fandom online of of, uh, weirdos and also some well-meaning people. Uh, that FNAF also does, it doesn't share the, the, the youth by him. Yeah. Bendy
1: marketable. didn't quite get this exact same treatment. It definitely did to an extent, but not yeah, like FNAF or some of the other games. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially... FNAF is like
0: FNAF is Fortnite. FNAF is the big one of the biggest things ever of all time, and all yeah. the kids and the parents know about it. No, yeah. no parents know about Benny and the Ink Machine.
1: Right, exactly. Um, especially in the age of cosplaying, in the age of fan fiction, original characters, uh, TikTok, and characters which people can easily project personalities onto based on interesting it's the lore. Death.
0: Of culture because (laughs) your character has no character. Anybody can project and you have more lore than you have storytelling. They are not the same
1: thing. Yeah, because when the FNAF games started, the four main animatronics didn't really have personality. They just had mechanics.
0: Yeah, which is why they're all they're all well, what we all know about FNAF that we all projected is that Foxy is trans and that's yeah, about we, it. Yeah, we got that. We know this. We know this.
1: And I will say, like, for all the faults people have been talking about with Security Breach, what I really appreciate is how much personalities the They actually have, animatronics have. for once. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, some people don't like that because they're in it more for the mechanics and uh, and in think, for the
0: lore because yeah. death of the culture, culture is dead and art is dead and we're all dead.
1: Yeah. I, speaking yeah. of the lore, um, Game Theory's coverage of FNAF and the hyper dissection of the lore alongside the release of the second game really Ruined the to, way
0: we talk about games. I agree. It yeah. Re- it's really bad.
1: <laughs> I and I, I, this is as a disclaimer. <laughs> I, I like Game Theory i but not as like a be all end all for like you must dissect a game to its very core of what the lore means in order to enjoy it i just think it's fun i just like it let's be
0: incredibly clear i have push notifications on for the game theory channel because i consume that content yum 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 yeah but i like it as a content consumer but i hate it as an artist
1: (laughs) okay this is fair um Because this like hyper dissection suddenly became very, very important for fans and for game developers it started to build this indie horror machine because having this deep and interesting yet hard to find and well hidden lore became really enticing for a lot of developers. As with the release of Game Theory's coverage, people started buying into the FNAF sequels primarily just to figure out more about the lore because for the first three games, the gameplay was exactly the same. The primary reason people were getting the next games was for the lore.
0: Yeah, you're you're right on the on the final point there to the to the point where we know that people are coming back for the gameplay because the gameplay changed completely in the third one and people hated it. They were like, all we care about is the death mini games. We want to know what we're doing. What is the third one
1: is the Fast Bear Frights one, right? Like you're looking at cameras here. Yeah, but you don't
0: actually get death like all the there's only one true jump scare and the rest of them are like. It's oh, like the fake- weird phantoms yeah, 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 where yeah. like you're just disoriented and it's more of a like hobby it's it's more of a chore simulator than yeah. the others.
1: Um and I mean the gameplay really didn't change completely on its head until the next game, the fourth game. Yeah. Um, And which is subsequently one of the hardest games to dissect from a lore standpoint, because it's so vague and messed up in the timeline. But we're not here to talk about the FNAF timeline.
0: Yeah, (laughs) not an episode about FNAF. We can't stress this enough. Um, Even if we devolve, if we're still here an hour later talking about FNAF, this is not a FNAF episode. Yeah.
1: Um, But so what I really need to get into with FNAF is its childish appeal. Um, Because although kids have enjoyed FNAF from the beginning, the game really didn't start getting marketed towards kids until the release of fnaf world which was like the rpg talk about it (laughs) honestly i'll be honest i don't know very much about fnaf world other than it's an rpg and it's pretty polarizing within the community
0: (laughs) yeah it came out in like the same time frame as the other games but it is a completely different game it's an open world rpg but it's 2D, so it's more like, like an old fan, Final Fantasy game, yeah. but also it's not the, it's a completely different tone. It's not a horror game. It's not horror at all. Right. And I don't know if the intention was to bring in more of the, the kid demographic, but I'm guessing that it was kind of the pump was primed to get kids into it with that game because you already had merch, you already had branding, and you had one of the biggest channels on YouTube pumping people caring about these games that probably wouldn't buy them because they're horror games yeah exactly rpg with funny happy colors of course the kid is going to jump in there
1: i mean think about how many fnaf fans especially young fnaf fans who have actually never played the game they've seen all of the yeah they've all they've seen all the game theory videos they've watched playthroughs of every single one but a lot and they buy merch but a lot of them have never actually purchased the game and ultimately at the end of the day it doesn't matter if they buy the game or not because they're buying the merch. Right,
0: because that's not what it is. Yeah. yeah. The game um, isn't a game.
1: But to FNAF World, uh, FNAF World to me seems very glaringly aimed at kids. Also, it was apparently very buggy when it first came out. <laughs> surprise, yes. surprise. Yep. Um, but I mean, between the... I'm pretty
0: the sure min- played it on stream and everybody was like, what is this? They like <laughs> took it down off of Steam after a few days and then it went back up. Like it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's hard to play nowadays.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you can get your hands on it. Um, the I mean between the mini games the very cute art style and like you said the lack of horror elements and Fnaf was already sort of like a safe quote horror series in that it was not bloody and it was not violent so and that that would really skirt you around a lot of like mature ratings but that doesn't necessarily right. make that content appropriate quote for kids
0: right it's kind of built to skirt the lines of like what people think is acceptable because like there's no blood there's no actual death that happens on screen yeah the biggest thing that happens is that a big teddy bear kind of screams yeah, you at you get and it skin. says game over and like exactly like you said that does not mean it is con- it is appropriate for children but it is like the most passable horror game out yeah. there and it's- again I don't think that was intentional Scott Cawthon talks I mean not to bring up his unholy name But, uh, you know, the only reason he made it was because he used to make Christian children's games and people told him that the characters looked creepy and like they were, uh, dead animatronics. And he went, well, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, might as well play to my strengths. Um, and speaking on that, it's very interesting to me how FNAF often really gets away with really dark content and a very child friendly package. And again, going back to game theory, most people wouldn't know about this dark content if it wasn't for those videos. They, they'd get the surface level story, but a lot of the story's darkest elements only got revealed because people are very good at finding lore.
0: Um, and honestly, the, it wouldn't be around if Game Theory didn't do that. Because again, the game itself, uh, you know, other games that are like this that have the lore also have the kind of, uh, the better ones. I think of like Inscription, which is a recent game, have in them things that pull you in and want to figure out the lore. Mm-hmm. FNAF didn't have that. Inscription is a
1: beautiful game, by the way.
0: Yes. FNAF, FNAF did not leave breadcrumbs for you to find. It had different breadcrumbs in different rooms that didn't form any kind of a trail, and you just kind of were supposed to look at them and kind of put mm-hmm. them together, I guess. Um. So I like Game Theory's videos on the subject and kind of bringing that disparate, not well done lore. Telling down to a level that even a kid or a kid can understand, mm-hmm. like, is why it it is the way it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, take the Fazbear Frights book series. They're a very Goosebumps-like book series. Uh, it's That an antho- is a series for kids. It is that an anthology is literally- series. Yeah, it's full yeah. of short stories that take place in the FNAF universe. And they are published by Scholastic. You can buy them right. at the book fair.
0: And they're also worse than... There's worse storytelling in them than there is in the games. No offense to the ghost writers, but mm. like you can tell that what what Scott had on his hands, what they had on their hands was a franchise that kids like that is not for kids. Yeah. So when they actually had to make content that was for kids, they had to tone it down a bunch. They had to. Apparently write it bad. I guess that was. Well, but even
1: still, some of the stories that end up in these books are crazy dark. And like I read a lot of dark book series as kids. I read scary stories to tell in the dark. I I was really into series of unfortunate events. Like I I, I read dark content as kids. But the Fazbear Frights series feel different in that they contain gore that the game doesn't. Um, Well,
0: right. Yeah. There's I, I think that. No, go ahead. A lot of that goes down to the fact that, like, it's people also thought that it was supposed to deliver content that wasn't in the games, and then you get into the problem of disparate tones. Like *Lemony Snicket*, those books, the tone and the scary stuff is the same as the intended audience being children. Like, Mm -hmm. there's cohesion there. Yeah. Whereas when you have *FNAF*, you have these really dark concepts that you're then trying to bring what you think is down to a child's level, which I would argue like there's a bit of a demeaning intent there Uh, because they felt like they had to make it kid friendly while also not straying from the story they were telling, which mm-hmm. then just makes it clash. Yeah, it's a bizarre, but bo- they're bizarre books to read. I think the most recent ones, the Fazbear Frights are like better, but mm-hmm. they're also short stories. They're more like, you know, yeah.
1: They're all like anthology series. Um, And a couple of uh, examples of some of the darker stories from the books. There's one about a security guard who falls asleep on the job while the little mini arena animatronics crawl in his mouth every night and eventually just tear their way out of him. Horrible. Horrifying. And then the other weirdest one I could find was about a VR game dev who somehow gets like pregnant with like an infant spring trap, which then like cuts he like cuts the spring trap out of his pregnant stomach it's very odd
0: this <laughs> sounds like a video on youtube that if you go on youtube for kids and you let it autoplay for three it hours, eventually gets there with, yeah it's like spider-man game dev becomes pregnant with elsa spring trap yeah funny haha kidnap pregnant <laughs> like that's
1: the um and also but like at the same time there are all these toys there's so many fnaf toys you can buy and so funko is in charge of fnaf's merch and it's actually it is the number one most profitable franchise that funko licenses and funko licenses disney fnaf makes more money for funko than disney makes money for funko and that's insane
0: yeah that is insane i think that's also because of where fnaf fnaf is just like FNAF, much like me, as my mom likes to say, falls into falls into shit. But the shit it falls into never smells bad. Mm -hmm. FNAF exists and was created at the perfect time for YouTube to take it and run with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Funko's merchandising appeared at the very second when Funko Pops were becoming like the big thing. And they took that and they sailed with it. Yeah. I mean, they are just incredibly lucky to hit that. Twice.
1: <laughs> yeah, the other thing, like, you know, the the whole thesis, I think, of this is that, like, Lightning never strikes the same place twice. Like, FNAF is Halley's Comet. Like, you're only going to see this happen once every so long. But it's not going to yeah. stop a bunch of other game developers from trying to copy it. Because wh- why wouldn't they?
0: Um, right, right. Especially for FNAF, like, oh, God, like, the... I'm sure that there are so many parents out there who think that FNAF is just a toy thing. Yeah. Along the lines of like Monster, I guess Monster High is a TV show now, but like Monster mm. High, Bratz dolls kind of a thing. I mean, if they're like, oh, there's like an emergent story here that kids kind of make up.
1: Yeah. We got plushies. We got figurines. We have clothes. We have FNAF slime. We've got keychains, and only like. We got flashlights. We got candy. We got yard inflatables. Like we got everything. Yeah.
0: And like 5% of those are good quality products. Yeah. Which is a fun thing about them. Um, And that's the thing, too, is when FNAF originally started making merch, it was bespoke, really interesting from the world merch that was very clearly for adults who had money to spend on a franchise they really loved, which mm -hmm. is the kind of merch that I love. Yeah. And then so quickly, it just, they realized that kids were buying them and it all went down. It all went down the drain. Yeah, I mean...
1: Still there's a lot of like beautiful like nice replica figurines oh, yeah. of of like FNAF characters you can buy, but a lot of it is just toys you can get at Hot Topic garbage. Yeah. Um so of course a lot of indie game developers are going to start to chase what FNAF had in order to achieve the same viral success. Getting a big streamer to play your game or getting Game Theory to cover your game pretty much takes it from 0 to 60 overnight. Um, That's
0: the idea, right? Yes.
1: And I want to make it clear that I don't think this is inherently a bad thing. Not everybody can just make video games to make art. Like, some people do it for money. And if chasing a trend means that your game stays relevant for a little bit longer and you continue to make money from it, that is like sometimes that's what you got to do.
0: Right, right. I mean, like, it it cuts to the detriment of the art form. But if people aren't in it for the art form already, yeah, I guess. Uh, I get what you mean.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't want to demonize like indie developers who try and 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 emulate FNAF in order it's to keep a their hard, game relevant.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people, what will happen is they make a game they actually really, really care about and they want it to succeed and that want is so real and and good, but then the way they go about it is like, well, we just need to get a big streamer to play our games. A lot of it is like small indie, indie publishing houses that buy these games and then try to go about marketing them in a kind of icky way like this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of games... Did attempt this to varying levels of success. And I want to talk specifically first about the game Hello Neighbor, which mm. if you if you played video games in 2017, you probably remember this. If you are a child, if you are a one of my students listening to this, you probably have no idea what this is. Um, if
0: you were a Game Theory subscriber in 2016, 2017, you know what this game is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Hello Neighbor is an indie horror survival game that came out in 2017. The plot is fairly simple. Uh, your neighbor is up to something hinky and the object of the game is to sneak into his house and figure out what he's doing without getting caught. Uh, and the reason I want to talk about it first is because uh, I think the fact that they use the FNAF formula hurt the concept of their game and then h- therefore hurt the game overall. Um mm. So I won't get too much into the development of this game, but be it known that the alpha version, which was pretty well received, Markiplier played that it was, and a bunch of other yeah. let players played it. I played it. Yeah. Uh, was very well received uh, and it came out pretty shortly after the release of FNAF. So they weren't setting out to copy fnaf from the get-go the alpha version was in the development the same time that fnaf was um but they were the alpha version and the full version of the first fnaf game were released at the same time and then the full version of hello neighbor came out in 2017 with a lot of changes and was very poorly received
0: yeah what i will say about hello neighbor at least the alpha that i played much more suspenseful and freaky like that thing that I hate of being anxious, like the one time I played FNAF VR and had to quit on the first night. Uh huh. Um, Hello Neighbor has it in spades. Like, yeah. The fact that, like, the sound that he makes when he come run after you, <laughs> hate it.
1: Yeah. Um. So the game, the the full version of the game that got released, relied a lot on a really complex po- plot with a lot of quote hidden lore and metaphors, like. A la FNAF, but it ended up hurting the actual gameplay, which when the actual game came out, the gameplay itself wasn't that good. And generally yeah. being really unsatisfactory because they tried to rely on, like, oh, don't worry, even if the gameplay isn't good, like people are gonna okay. come here for the lore, but the lore also wasn't good.
0: Yeah. So hey, it happened with FNAF, maybe it'll happen with us. And the yeah. thing about this game that I think made it made it fall on its face so much is that the first, first the alpha was, you know. It it had reason to give you hope. You like it. It was pretty good, but uh, the first tele Neighbor was published by Tiny Build, and then Tiny Build was, I believe, bought by Gearbox Software. So it's another, you know, situation of you know a big company buys this game and thinks, well, it's indie horror. What's big in indie horror right now? Fnaf. Okay, let's do the same marketing thing as Fnaf. Let's yeah. get a bunch of big YouTubers to play it, talk about the lore. When like if that if the game was well made. Because this game is about the mystery. FNAF was not about the mystery. FNAF was about the the spooky jump scares. Uh-huh. This game, moment to moment, is about the spooky jump scares. But what you're actually telling is this complex lore story that the player figures out. They yeah. don't go online to figure out about it. They don't listen to MatPat. They yeah, they don't the need game to. And they figure it out.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't have to watch the game theory video to figure it out. Um right. And despite being received pretty poorly, it remained very popular with kids due to a very colorful cartoon like design aesthetic, which is not a bad design aesthetic. I think it looks pretty good. No. Actually, I like the design aesthetic. Um, but the character is very recognizable. And this kind of like game theory worthy lore, even if it's bad lore, kids love lore. It's spooky, it's mysterious, and they feel smart for knowing it and they get to talk about it with their friends.
0: I think that's exactly that's exactly right. And there are a ton of adults who think like that. It's not something that is just for kids. Yeah. I think for kids, the lore is something that brings them a sense of belonging with kids when they go to school. I think that's a really good point for adults is because they want to feel smarter than the thing they're playing, which is sad. Yeah. And sucks. Uh, but, you know, like like you said, the art style is like really cute and mm-hmm. I think it serves the thing that they were making. It's just a shame that it it. Was done like this. I think your point about like not needing to watch the game theory videos is exactly right. And when the company says, "Well, we should do what Five Nights at Freddy's did," you know, have the kind of lore that that game that game theory can dissect. FNAF did not succeed because it had interesting lore. It succeeded because one YouTuber got kind of obsessed with the little breadcrumbs and wanted to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Hello, neighbor cannot succeed because of game theory, and that's what a lot of marketers think. Is well, if if Map covers it, we're golden. Yeah, exactly. Now people will care about the bad lore in our game.
1: Yeah, and the brand continues to expand. They did spinoff games, they did a board game, they did a book series, and there was a TV I think pilot. A
0: homescapes, a home, a homescape. There was a homescape spinoff. spin-off. <laughs> and yeah. like,
1: speaking of the TV pilot, that's actually if you know Hello Neighbor today, you probably know it from, uh. There was a, a series of tweets they made to Matt Pat practically begging him to make a lore video on their pilot episode. It's it's very embarrassing. It's really unfortunate. Like oh they tweeted him like six or seven times, being like, Hey, check your DMs or like, Oh, we bet Matt Pat would love to see this. And Matt Pat did not. That apply
0: poor to intern. Any of them. <laughs> that poor um, intern at Hello Neighbor that had to make those tweets, knowing. Hey yeah. Adam, we've both worked in social media. Yeah. The feeling of when your boss tells you to go do something on social media and you're like, oh, yeah, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and like the 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 real problem with that, besides it just being like weird and embarrassing, is that there uh, the pilot episode didn't have a lot of substance in it. There was nothing to make a lore video about. And that is, I think, the core of Hello Neighbors problem is they wanted. Yeah, they wanted a lore video. They did not have the lore to back it up. Like there wasn't anything to, to make, make a video, video about.
0: Yeah, and let's, uh, you know, that hasn't stopped MatPat before. Yeah. But you can't do it. You can't make him do it.
1: Yeah. Don't make He
0: has to do it. Leave based Matthew Pathew alone. No, continue to. No, no, no. no. <laughs> don't leave Matthew Pathew alone. He deserves it, <laughs> theater kid. But he he makes videos about games without lore when the games don't want to have lore.
1: Mm-hmm. Like when
0: it's a Mario. Yeah. And he's like, ah ha ha, I'll make a funny goof video. Yeah. Or at least used to be. This is not a Pat podcast, but MatPat originally was doing like kind of a satire thing, making fun of kind of like cinema sins, like making fun of people who overanalyze games. And now he just overanalyzes games or like Nostalgia Critic. Remember that guy? Anyway,
1: <laughs> Um and uh, I also think that going away from Hello Neighbor, I think the recently released Poppy Playtime falls into, into this exact Talk about it. same trap.
0: That's the second time I've said that. Yeah,
1: arguably worse than Hello Neighbor did. And I'm going to like be upfront is that I, have, is I, have, saw I have beef with Poppy pause Playtime. Pause the podcast.
0: Yeah. I saw Poppy the other day you did? in Glendale. <laughs> yeah. I was walking by a small booth that had a bunch of very good bootleg plushes that uh-huh. I'm very obsessed with and Poppy was there well, and we were like was it Who Poppy is this? or was and it was Huggy like,
1: Wuggy? Huggy Wuggy's the blue no, one.
0: With the red mouth?
1: Yeah, that's Huggy Wuggy.
0: It was Huggy Wuggy and I said is he from Don't Hug Me I'm Scared? And then uh Ezra said no, I think he's from and he said something else and I was like, I don't know, but I know this guy.
1: Yeah, I he's
0: Pop- It's Mr. Poppy himself.
1: Yeah, the blue I the guy with the red mouth. I will be frank, I have beef with Poppy Playtime. So if you don't know Poppy Playtime, okay. recently released indie title. Wow. Um, it
0: poppy's playtime is listening to
1: this show and she is not happy <laughs> i um it uh it so far only the first chapter is released on steam it's about 30 minutes of gameplay for five dollars so i already have beef about uh that's
0: already bad yeah, yeah.
1: um but it you're like you lose to work in a toy factory and then everybody disappeared and then you get a letter telling you to come back to the toy factory it's very bendy in the ink machine and you get there and the first chapter uh, you get there. You get chased by Huggy Wuggy. You kill Huggy Wuggy. You find Poppy. The chapter ends. More chapters getting released soon. Um, okay. As a game, I'm on the edge of my seat, Adam. As a game, the gameplay's fine. Some of the gameplay is kind of interesting. You have this kind of like flood, like Mario, Super Mario Sunshine, like backpack okay, yep. with like on two arms, like that. Some of that gameplay is interesting. Okay. But, Cool. So it goes back.
0: I have my review checklist here. We got (laughs) flood mechanics. That's a check in the positives. We got gameplay. Okay. that's going to go right in the positives.
1: Um and Papa playtime goes back to this like creepy nostalgia slash analog horror-esque trope that we see a lot of these horror games fall into um and we see okay. like a lot of these like bendy kind of falls in the creepy nostalgia thing there's a new like thomas the tank engine horror game coming out it falls in this like creepy nostalgia where like you know how all millennials love to talk about how like things ruin their childhood and stuff like yeah game devs are are using that just to continue yeah hey stuff. i have a
0: question over yeah? here in the back yeah hi Devin wright uh, uh freedom uh <laughs> times uh the reason why creepy nostalgia works for five nights is because chucky e. cheese was a place we all went to yeah how many of us went to a toy factory <laughs> how many of us were like you know what you know what they could do is do a crayola factory horror game that would went, be did you ever sick. Go to the Factory? I did go to the
1: Crayola Factory.
0: Yeah, that's something you could do, but th- nobody went. Nobody's nostalgic for a toy, the making of toys. Yeah, they're nostalgic for toys. Yeah, they um, already did that. It's called Toy Story. It's <laughs> it's already a, it can already be a scary film. Those films are scary when they're the guys are about to go into the big the big furnace at yeah. the end of the 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 one that should have been the end of the series. The third one or when emperor zurg falls down that elevator shaft that's terrifying yeah. or when they're they're riding the fake the 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 the, the horse un, under the plane
1: oh yeah that was that's scary that's
0: terrifying <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the wheel going up into the thing and he's trying to get in there that's terrifying that is
1: scary um so yes, poppy playtime Sid, sim-
0: <laughs> as a character poppy's playtime get out of here pixar did it 25 years ago
1: Similar to the game, similar to FNAF, but with a toys and animatronics. Okay, we all understand. We all understand. <laughs> we've, we've all reached. We're on the same page.
0: Toy Story and Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Picture the Toy Story chapter from Kingdom Hearts three specifically. Yeah. Where Woody says, "I think that that's because you never had anyone. You know nothing about hearts and love or whatever." He yeah, says whatever. To and Five Nights at Freddy's had a baby that. Oh, it was a bad, yeah. bad
1: baby, stinky baby. So. The characters, which are the main appealing and advertising point of this game, specifically Huggy Wuggy, who is, yes, the blue fuzzy dude with the red mouth. He is the antagonist in the first chapter. Very colorful. Very marketable. In fact, Huggy Wuggy has a pink counterpart and a bow named Kissy Missy. That is real. (laughs) That is a real thing in this game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I don't hate Huggy Wuggy's design. He's creepy. It's simple. It's fun. I don't hate his design. Wait, but, I
0: need you to go back to Kissy Missy. Yeah, Kissy, what's, what's the, Kissy Missy what's the Fool's name? And who is she?
1: She's the she's Huggy Wuggy but pink, and she's a bow. She, she has like girl Stitch. She has but yet, huggy yet Wuggy. to appear in the game, but she's still in all the. She's advertising. never going to appear, Adam. <laughs> I'm pretty
0: sure that pink Stitch never appeared in no thing except for like the animated series. Yeah, Angel was sure in the animated. That white like girl, series. toothless, also was not in a film as much as they wanted me to think. She was. Uh-huh.
1: Um, and yeah, I don't hate the design of Huggy Wuggy, but you can look at him in his big red mouth and you know he was meant to be marketed towards kids.
0: It's very blatant. Yes. It is shameless. Yeah. Like again, Five Nights at Freddy's, you can see the characters being thoughtfully designed at least a little bit, especially as time went on. Yeah. And this one you can't. Hey Adam. Yeah. Er, Ezra. Ezra <laughs> Ezra. Not you, Adam. Ezra. That 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 blue bitch that we saw in Glendale, Scary Mouth. Bonnie? No, not Bonnie. <laughs> That's our good friend Bonnie the Bunny. Ezra doesn't know what we're talking about. That's fine. We can move on with the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Huggy Wuggy. It's over. Hu- Huggy Wuggy is all over the Fnaf mods. I mean, not the Fnaf mods. The Friday Night Funkin' mods. Sorry. The
0: the f- five Friday. Yeah. funk Five night. <laughs> you, you can five five. <laughs> Friday nights, Funkin' at Freddy's. Freddy's yeah, you <laughs> I can. Think what
1: it is? You can rap battle Huggy Wuggy to your heart's content on all these websites.
0: Epic rap battles of history: Huggy Wuggy versus Freddy versus- Fazbear. <laughs> Freddy Fazbear or The Clock from No not Hug Me, I'm Scared. Oh, uh, this is
1: fair. It would also be very good. Yeah. So Poppy Playtime also contains a lot of hidden lore in VHS tapes and messages and stuff like that, which appeals in a very bendy and FNAF-y kind of way. But Love that. pop. My problem with Poppy Playtime is it markets, to, other than it just being generally mediocre, is that it markets to kids unethically uh in in uh-huh. two things one it's yeah. super duper money driven the fact that the first chapter which is only 30 minutes long costs five dollars on steam for context the entirety of the first fnaf game is also five dollars and has multiple hours of gameplay yeah um and there's also when you law when you like boot up the game there's a button to buy merch right there on the home page so you don't have to open the browser um and, like they know the game is marketed towards kids and that's why they put that there
0: um right this sucks because that scott Cawthon didn't plan on making millions of dollars yeah and it's gonna he su- did later but
1: <laughs> it's gonna suck even more in a second um because even though there's one chapter out instead of like organically waiting to release more pieces of lore within the game they're selling nfts of posters that you see in the games that have hidden lore on the back and you're marketing towards kids who really want to yeah. find the lore and are going to get enticed into buying stupid huggy-wuggy poster nfts just to get four bits of stupid lore that doesn't matter
0: yeah, it's also published by Maverick Lab, which apparently also made Scary Five Nights, which is an Android just like very clear ripoff mm-hmm. of Five Nights at Freddy's.
1: They also, those game devs run a very popular Minecraft animation YouTube channel, which is what I found out while hey, sucks.
0: I think I'm going to have to not continue to look down this or else I'm going to pitch an investigative journalism
1: story. I'm okay, telling you, I have beef with with... Uh, Huggy Wuggy. Well, okay. I don't have beef with Huggy this I have us. beef with Poppy Playtime. Huggy Wuggy gets a we pass. Are.
0: <laughs> Huggy Wuggy gets a pass, but he's on thin ice. He's on thin ice. And his girlfriend's under. She's done. Yeah. Uh but we're we're I also want to say Rogers and Hammerstein, but that's not these fools' names. <laughs> we're I was a journalism major at New York University. What are those fool's names? Who? Deep Throat and Watergate.
1: Oh, I don't know. All the
0: king's men. All the president's men. Oh, God. I have no idea. Carl Bernstein is one of his names. Okay. Woodward and Bernstein. Got
1: it. Uh Yeah. Uh new, God. New villain of the podcast, Poppy Playtime.
0: Not Huggy. Not
1: though. Huggy. He's on Thin Ice. Hug-
0: He's on Thin Ice. He's in the middle of the Venn diagram of, yeah. you know, lovable rascals yeah. that
1: <laughs> keep around. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to make this episode super long, but there are a lot of other games who don't do this exact formula, but kind of use the same creepy nostalgia thing like Pibby. Yeah. Like Baldi's Basics has also got a Baldi's pretty Basics big... Is good, though. It's a good game, but it's got a big following of kids for the same reason. Yes, it does. Um,
0: but that... Well, that's also because it's set in a school. Yeah, like, but it's like, like obviously not. For, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, also, there's a new game out called Happy's Burger Farm that from what I've heard is a pretty blatant FNAF. for burgers? What? Okay. Um, and also burgers? also the Mandela catalog. They, this is
0: Farmville. <laughs> Farmville, they farm burgers? Also. I would play the hell out of a farming simulator where I'm I'm farming fast food. Okay. Food I'm sure I there's like burger, one of those apps. My
1: The quick game, my burger
0: plot, and my French fry plot, and my milkshake plot. This is good. Yeah,
1: trademark, trademark. Um, and also the Mandela Catalog, which is not a game. It's just a good piece of analog horror, but it's very blatantly based off of FNAF. I will not say ripped off because I want to be kinder than that. But it is inspired by. It's very deeply inspired by FNAF, and thusly, kids have really latched onto the Mandela Catalog, which is again not appropriate for children for children, um, yeah. So I guess my thesis of this this episode is lightning never strikes twice. Stop doing this. <laughs>
0: my thesis is Lightning McQueen. That's it? Yeah. Uh <laughs> okay. sorry did I cut out? Sorry did I cut <laughs> yeah. out? I'll do it again. Yeah. My thesis, I'll get a clean take. My thesis is that Lightning McQueen and that's all I have to say about that. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode 85, The Big 85, everybody's favorite milestone yeah. of the Great American Scream. If you enjoyed, please leave a rate and review on Spotify or on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, give each one of those friends a gentle kiss. <laughs> and Adam, can you pimp our social medias, please? Yes,
1: you can check us out on Facebook at The Great American Scream or on Twitter, Instagram, at TikTok, at Great Scream Pod. Um, please send us what you think about these indie horror games for kids. Uh, what's your stance on them? Um You can tweet at us or post using the hashtag TGAS. And as always, if there's something you would like to hear about on the show, uh, tweet at us, make a post because your suggestion may become a topic for a future episode. Also, thank you for being patient with the episode release late this week. This week has been crazy. Thank you.
0: Sorry, my life is in shambles. Special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo for doing the intro disclaimer, as well as Stevie Viola, who does the intro and outro music. A super special thank you goes out to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash great screen pod on the level of man in the fields tier or higher. Thank you to Regina, Ben, Gail, Joyce, Melinda, and Chris. If you would like to pledge any amount of money, you can do so at patreon.com slash scream pod. We have early access to episodes except today and uh, some cool behind the scenes stuff. So I have been Devin Wright. I
1: have been Adam O'Connell.
0: Hopefully you have been spooked. Um, uh, uh, To get a good, funny outro to this, you're going to have to press the big button that says buy our merch in the center and give us a microtransaction of $5. It's your dad's credit card. That's okay. We'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. What's the three numbers on the back? Give it to me. For legal
1: legal reasons, that was a joke. (laughs)